The following content contains discussions of depression, self-harm, and self-perception. While every effort has been made to provide factual and helpful information, the information shared in this episode is for informational purposes only and should not be considered a substitute for professional advice. This content may be triggering to some individuals, so please exercise self-care and discretion while listening. By continuing to engage with this content, you acknowledge that you understand the aforementioned disclaimer. Ladies, gentlemen and others, welcome back to The Real Deal with Anam C. You may not know this because you've been listening to new episodes every Wednesday, but today I'm recording after almost two months because I've been on a little bit of a vacation. So if I'm a little bit of rusty, you know why. This is your disclaimer. I have a very special guest with me today, someone who I want to say started out as an internet friend, accidentally landed up at a couple of shoots that we were doing at the same time, someone who I've really admired on Instagram. And I feel like there's things I know but I want to dive more into and then there are things that I didn't know and I definitely want to dive into. So Roshni Kumar, welcome to the pod. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited we're finally doing this. No, Yay! We met for the first time on the tummy shoot, was yeah. it? Do and I that was such a, I feel like, fun way to meet. Because it was so empowering for like everyone there. Like everyone was so ecstatic by what's happening. And we were just out embracing our bodies. Even though that was like one of those things where we were all shooting together. For me, it was the first time filming um, a piece like that for a magazine for context. I try to talk about my honest, you know, body journey and weight gain and weight loss and miscarriage and all of that. I feel like you are someone who does it so fiercely. When I was on that shoot, I was a little bit conscious just because it was the first time I was wearing this sari blouse like top and this ultra low. Yeah, Yeah, like a very low. yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. It was lovely. And I was nervous because I was like, I don't know how to do this. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So you do a lot of this. So if I have to sum you up and give you like a little bit more work-oriented introduction to the pod listeners. I dread this because this, Hmm. even I don't know. Uh, Let me try. Okay. Um, Roshni is someone who does body positivity, inclusive, all kinds of inclusive content. Uh, You identify as someone who's queer, which I also definitely want to dive into. What I did not know about you, and I have goosebumps already, I haven't even said it yet, is that you are a cancer survivor. Yes. A proud cancer survivor is what your Instagram bio says. Can I ask you a little bit yeah, about that? Yeah. Tell me about that. Let's let's talk about yeah. that. Yeah. So honestly, my cancer for me was a blessing. And I'll explain why. Because prior to my cancer, like I was literal opposite of this person you're seeing today. I was so shy. And forget shy. I was afraid to do anything. You know, because I was, I've always been bigger and I was really tall. So my body has been bigger than my peers around me. And people don't tell you that if you're tall, your body's obviously going to be bigger because everyone else is shorter. But you know, because of our amazing standards in society, the first thing people think is, oh, she's fat. You know, even though it's not fatness, it's just that I'm bigger in person. So that I, I was bullied for being different from a very young age like very young, like eight years old, nine years old. I don't know how it started per se, but I do remember me being conscious about arms and stomach as such a child that now I'm, you know, the content I do is so that that doesn't repeat for others at least, you know, you should be able to have a childhood peacefully. And um, yeah, so I was so afraid of doing anything, wearing the clothes I want. I've always been this person who likes coloring hair and, you know, 
uh, doing my piercings and everything. But I was so scared that, you know, like, if I do this, my bullying will increase. If I do this, people will judge me. If I do this. So it was like every step I take was like calculated immensely in my head. And this is when I'm so young that, you know, instead of concentrating on fun things in life, I just became depressed. And, you know, I was suicidal at a very young age because of that. Because I was like, I don't fit in this society. And clearly people are enforcing it every now and then, you know, with the way I look or whatever. So my cancer came so randomly because it it just hit us like a truck, honestly, to my whole family. Because we were just like, what the fuck just happened? I was never like, I didn't have any health issues prior to that. I just had severe body image issues, mental health issues, but no one spoke about mental health. So we didn't even know, including me. So my weight was a huge issue for me. But now when I look back at those pictures, there was nothing wrong with my body type. I wasn't fat. I became fat after people kept saying I was fat. So I started eating a lot to deal with my depression. And that led to me increasing weight, decreasing weight, increasing weight, decreasing weight. And then I became chubby, but I was never actually fat in my life, I think. And it's so like, this is why body dysmorphia is so real, right? That you really think you're this ugly, like, you know, fat person, but you're not. And, you know, no matter what people say, your mind believes it. And at that time, that is what my mind believed, that I am ugly, I'm not worthy, I'm not deserving, I'm not, you know, of anything because I'm this person. And it was like 90s, 2000s. So size zero and all of that was promoted. So it made, I'm sure a lot of people like me feel like we don't belong here. And ultimately your existence is, you know, not worthy. And I was just, you know, I did everything to like try becoming skinny because that was what was the body type that was accepted then. And Again, no one tells you that not everyone can become skinny because some people are just born skinny. Some people can become skinny, but you don't need to be skinny firstly. And like a body type like me, which is, I've always had curves in general. I can't become skinny. It's just not even a thing I can do. No one educates you on all this, right? So I was desperately, and you don't understand, I was like praying to all the gods and like everything, you know, I just want to be skinny. I just want to be skinny. And I had stopped eating at some point. So I was in ninth standard. And then I decided like, you know. That's like 14 years old? I was 14. Yeah. And I had a treadmill at home. My mom had it rather. And I used to walk on the treadmill. I wasn't really good at sports because I was more like an artsy person. And then the more conscious I got about my body, I stopped doing a lot of things. Like sports, I stopped because my swimming, like I just got back into swimming now. Because I, I always thought I was scared of water. And this is a stark example of how body image issues can really ruin your life. I thought I, ha- I was scared of water this whole time, right? I remember uh, when I, this was in third standard because I went to a school that had a swimming pool and they had they wanted to promote extracurricular activities. So my parents put me in that. I was excited about learning how to swim. But by third standard, I was already conscious about my body. I went and bought this amazing animal print swimming costume, you know, with a matching cap and everything. I remember, oh my God, I, it was so traumatic for me that that picture in my head is like still there. We had to go down and change, you know, and there was um, a lot of chlorine smell coming because obviously it's a pool and they must have kept that thing there. I was changing and I was sobbing, you know, as I changed because I had to go out like this and I was like, people are going to see my body. I don't know what they're going to say. You know, I was scared and this and that. And I was sobbing, 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 came up. And the teacher then also was like this whole, you know, tough love kind of teacher. So he, he also did push me into the pool once, which caused me a lot of trauma in general. But I realized 
very recently when I rejoined swimming that it was not about the water. And you won't believe like my body developed a ear infection in like two months after because it was so traumatic for me that I could not swim again in chlorine water. But right now, like right now, I've sw- like swam in multiple chlorine pools and there's nothing wrong. I don't have a ear infection. I'm not allergic to chlorine. It was almost like a defense mechanism of my body to like protect me because it was such a traumatic time to just go change into that costume. I'm so sorry. And that's why like, you know, I talk about this shit so people realize like, you know, these small things, you stop doing it and then or you stop eating, for example, you do these things and it affects your actual life. Yeah. This is not about beauty, you know, no one like, fuck beauty, honestly. I mean, at the end of the day, if you don't have it, also we'll survive. But if you don't have basic things like wearing the clothes you want, being able to swim, you know, do these things. If you're not able to do it because people are making you feel shit about yourself, that's horrible, I feel. Yeah. You know, like for your existence. That impacts your sense of self on so many levels. So much. So anyway, ninth when I stopped like eating and you know, I was so happy because I suddenly started losing weight. Okay. And I was like, I lost eight to nine kgs. And I thought it's because I'm not eating. I ate only one meal a day because it was at home. And the other two meals were in school. So I could miss it very easily. And I couldn't miss the one at home because my mom would kill me. So I had to eat like one meal only. And I kind of kept doing that. And I was like, wow, this is really working, Ross. You're like fucking killing it. You're going to become skinny. But (laughs) instead, like, you know, I was like, like pain started in my body in strange places. My knee locked one day. There was like this shooting pain in my spine one day when I was like doing PE, which I hated anyway. And this pain suddenly came. and. No one really believed me that I, I, they thought I was making excuses to not do something or like I was just like saying shit. But I was like, this is like shooting pain and I don't know why it's suddenly coming. Like it took months to figure out that I was actually sick because no one could figure out why. And then one of my doctors said, go get an MRI because like the, they thought it's slip disc. Then it can't be slip disc because I don't do anything to get a slip disc, you know. And they thought it was like strange things. And then finally the MRI showed that there were lesions in my spine like I didn't know this yet but my I think my dad did by then and they were like there's something wrong for sure but also the the tests that they were doing for like the biopsies were also coming negative so they were just like what the fuck is happening but yeah we spent like one month just figuring out and it perpetually got worse by then so I couldn't get off the bed I stopped going to school Finally, when I got admitted was when I was throwing up and just couldn't stop. Like everything I ate, everything I drank was just coming out because my body was like rejecting everything. Then I finally got admitted and I think they sent a tissue sample of my back to Bombay, Tata Memorial somewhere and some pathologist here said, whoever this is, like she has like last stage of cancer, like you need to treat this person. What cancer was it? I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is essentially lymph nodes, but it had turned into bone cancer also. Because it entered my bone. So it was in my spine, in my knee, which is why the pain was shooting. It was in between my discs. So there was a space, there's still a space, you know, which in my disc where the lesions or cancer cells or whatever were there. So we immediately had to, you know, just obviously the doctor was like, we have to start this. And he had known me for a while now. It's been a month. And he was my oncologist. And he was like, you know, I've seen her like not... Always smiling, you know, always greeting people, even when she's in pain, even when she's... So I think she can handle the news herself. I will come and tell her with you all around if that's okay. Because I think she seems really mature for her age and stuff. And my parents were like, yeah, because they were like sobbing. 
I'm the only child and stuff and they really thought they were going to lose me. So they were like sobbing. And uh, he came up and he was like, and I was already in like a room by now and you know, I was on the bed or whatever. So he was just like, listen, we've got the thing and you have cancer. It's stage four. And I was like, I thought four on 10. <laughs> so I was like, oh, it seems fine only. <laughs> like, why is he, why is everyone stressing? You thought four on 10 in like, in like stages, you know, there's like most... <laughs> I did not just four on four, guys. Like, you were no fourteen. One, okay, no, I'm, no, I mean, no, actually, it was, it's quite stupid if I think about it now, because I was like, obviously, there won't be ten stages of cancer. Like, who? Can't believe we're now laughing at no, this. It's actually a thing. So I was like, oh yeah, whatever. And then he's like, you know, he's explaining like chemotherapy, this, that. We'll start immediately. And he, the way he was saying it, was also very calm, because obviously, he was trying to not freak me out. But he sounded so chill. So I was like, yeah, I mean, like, cool, let's start. Because you thought you had six more stages. I was like, I'm the, like, that means we found it like early, now. Like four on ten means we're chill only. When you went back to stage four or four. Yeah. How long was that journey for you? So I, um, essentially, chemotherapy starts, you get like two days, three days of medicines. But it has so much side effects because chemo essentially kills all the cells in your body. The good cells as well. As well. Because it has to get rid of the bad cells. So at that time, they gave me the strongest treatment in the hospital. Because it was quite bad. And they had told my parents already that we can't guarantee survival. Because it's already bad. And they can't promise something and just not deliver. So they had said that to my parents. And they gave me the strongest treatment. So two days of medicine went. But it took one month of side effects. I had never thought... Like, you know how they show... Firstly, the way they show cancer on TV and like cinema is so wrong like it just put I thought nothing will happen to me the medicine's gonna go like you know whatever whatever things will internally happen but oh my god like it depends on the kind of the amount of medicine they gave so they gave me a lot because it had to like kill all the cells but the side effects are bad it's not just throwing up it's not just losing your hair you know it is like a lot more and it's just horrible. Like, you know, you have to get like, I took one month to recover from two days of medicine. So it took me six months in total to recover from, I mean, to get my six cycles of chemo. So they first said that would happen. If that doesn't work, then they'd have to do, uh, radiation was pretty like, because I didn't have any tumors. Uh, but they said there was stem cell therapy that comes where you literally have to get a stem cell transplant. That's the last only option left, you know, if this doesn't work. Over that, they would have just been like, you just have to like live till you can and chill. But in the third cycle, my doctor has said this to my mother in the exact words and we're like, they should do a PET scan after like every, you know, thing. And he was like, I don't know how, but the cells are like profusely reducing. And like, it's doing much better. Like, you know, and... And even at the the start of this, and why I say it's a blessing, right, is because, so I had to like, uh, my mom and, you know, we were just like, let's cut my hair because then we going to fall and I had long hair then. So instead of having all of that, cutting my hair wasn't the issue. But, you know, I'd always wanted to get red hair prior to that. And I remember all these realizations came to me in the hospital, like lying in a bed, literally, where I couldn't even get off. Six months, I didn't get off the bed. I didn't know, I had to learn how to walk again because I just didn't get off that bed. I was so weak. Um, I just remember thinking like, you know, I'd never worn a dress uh, that was fitting to my body. I only wore sweatshirts to school to cover my body as much as I could by now. Like even in the hottest summer, hotter than what today is in Bombay, I would have worn the 
this thick Adidas sweatshirt, I remember. And I was just like, how have I been living life? This is ridiculous, you know. I was, I'm scared to do basic things, wear a dress that I always wanted to, you know, color my hair, which should be, you know, something. And then I was just like, just kind of flabbergasted at myself. Like, fuck, what have I done? You know, and not in like an angry way, but more like, I can't continue doing this. And I don't know, for some reason, I really didn't think I was going to like not live. You know, I just knew this was not my time. And every day I would just go to sleep thinking of all the things I wanted to do after I got out. I was never scared of the death part of it. Everyone else was. But I was just like, nothing's going to happen. You know, I just know it. And I started losing a lot of weight, obviously. And the only time I'll ever be skinny, I think, because even as a child, I wasn't this skinny, is because of cancer. So that was literally, you know, I was like, Rosh, you remember this for the rest of your life, that the body type that you wanted, you got it. But at like, look, at, at, like, what cost? at what cost? And I don't want people to go through such a traumatic, you know, event to realize you can live your life. I love that you said this was like a blessing, right? Because I don't think a lot of people have that ability in them to see that silver yeah. lining. Like I believe, I mean, I don't know if I would be as far as be able to do it as well as you do. But I've always believed that I'm mostly a very silver linings, you know, yeah. glass half full kind of person. Yeah. But like, is that where you realize that I want to do Everything I stopped myself from doing all this. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I literally got out of the hospital and I was like, uh, "When can I get a tattoo?" Because he was like, "You can't get it for the first six months because your blood ha- is going to be very thin after the chemo. So get it after six months." And the first tattoo I got was this, which says, "I am what I am." So I always remember that, you know. And my mom had to come with me because I was too young. I was fifteen, uh, so she had to sign a consent form and everything. But yeah, like, you know, since that day, I was like, I started baby steps. It took a while. Like, you know, it's not some overnight makeover session that happened. It took a while. But I really made a decision in that hospital bed that I'm going to live my life fully. I don't care how long it is, how short it is, but I'm going to live every day. Like, fuck everyone else. Fuck everything else. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get that red hair. Got out. My hair started growing. Got that red immediately. Wore, and by now, my body had already become very thin. We needed new clothes, right? So my mom went to all the stores that I wanted to and bought me the hottest dresses. So I used to dress up to go to the hospital with wigs and everything because I just wanted to look so... Like, you know, I was always a fashion girl. And no one could tell I was sick until I sat in a wheelchair because they were like, nothing is wrong with this girl. She has beautiful long hair and this and that. So after I came out, I was like, fuck, I'm really going to work, you know, towards making myself happy forget everyone else has it gotten easier though with time with people checking you out or making weird faces because I feel like I mean on social media people know you and understand yeah. your brand and they're a little bit yeah. more evolved yeah. I guess yeah. but what happens in real life I mean I'll be honest when I started now uh, after with the hair and stuff I've not stopped since I was 15 till now you know there was no, there's not a time that I had my original hair for too long after that just kept coloring it, doing my own thing, cutting it, whatever. Then the piercing started. I got my, my ears were pierced, but I started getting the face, like my chin pierced. How many do you have? Piercings? I'm trying to count while I'm looking at your I also don't know, to face. be honest. Maybe like over 20 in total. But it's because it doesn't have an end to it, right? It it gets rejected by the body at some point because it, it's almost like a foreign object in your body. So if you take care of it well, it stays long. It stayed for three years or two years for me. And now I think I'll get another one because it looked way too hot. I think it might have been there for the awards. I'm not sure. But yeah, it basically looked like I was, you know, there's always a stud here. 
But yeah, in total, I have all, I think more than 20, 23, 24. But yeah, but people, you know, in India are not used to or they think they're not used to because it's actually quite common that people do have a lot of piercings and a lot of uh, villages, you know, their traditions are around piercings and tattoos. So it's really not such an alien concept. I think it's just the way we've perceived it. But yeah, I got a lot of stares since I started it. In the first few times, this was very young. I'm talking about like, now 17, 18. And I realized that clearly people are either fascinated, disgusted, or they just want to talk and laugh about it. And I just was like, honestly, after like going through all this shit, I was like, I don't care. You know, so what I what that kind of helped me do is I honestly don't notice anymore. I really don't notice. Like even today while walking, I was just listening to my music and vibing and coming. There might have been a bunch of people staring and maybe like commenting or whatever complimenting unless someone comes up to me right it I don't see it anymore and there have been times when I've been on a road walking and there are these guys maybe who'll stop and like stare and stuff and my friends have gotten so mad and they're screaming and then I'd be like what are you doing and they're like dude those guys have stopped and they're staring at you like don't they have any other and I was like it's just what they do like relax don't get so mad because you know you'll waste your energy but yeah I just kind of noticed earlier like this is how it is you know in our country because they have you know, not really, I guess, evolved to a space to let people just be without judging. You know, you don't actually need to judge. Look, stare, appreciate, question. But you don't need to be crass and harsh about it. So that, I don't know if it's gotten better or anything. But I really, it it's just something I don't pay attention to at all anymore. Which is why even in Cosmo, when I came, I did mean to the the thing I was wearing on top was this blowney jacket and I wanted to wear it as a uh, sheer thing but I did want a bottom and I didn't get any bottom in time so I was just like fuck it I'm just going out in this thong you know and then I wanted to button it but there was such a delicate fabric I didn't want to ruin the outfit itself just left it open and you know I was like I don't care honestly if people like you know anyway these are people we knew right I was like, what malfunction hoga to hoga bas. You know, you just get on with life. Which is actually why I feel like it's so much more important for someone like you to be in the content space. Like, I wouldn't yeah. say, not everybody needs to be out there sharing their makeup tutorials or OOTDs, myself included. So many of us are almost repeats of what the other person's doing at this point in time in yeah. the content creator yeah. space. But I feel like it's so important for someone with a journey as unique as yours yeah. and with a point of view as unique as yours to definitely be in the content space. Yeah, I didn't really plan on doing this. It just happened, honestly. I did a body positive shoot in 2015 for myself. It was a naked shoot of myself to show all the flaws I was so scared of before and now I'm, I wasn't. So it was more of a personal project. But then I was like, Rosh, I think you should put it up that time Facebook because Instagram was just nothing then like just put it up so that you feel that you've reached the space you wanted to because no one's judgments should worry you or care just told my mom in advance so she doesn't freak out and she was at first she was like are you sure like you know what if they you and she was never bothered about me doing the shoot or me being naked it's more like if people can misuse your I was like see ho jayega to ho jayega. they can do it even if I'm not naked you know it's fine so when I put that up and people felt so seen, they started sending me messages like, oh my God, it's the first time we've seen real skin, you know, stretch marks, you've shown everything. I was like, damn, okay, this is powerful for everyone, not just me. That's where I started doing this. 
Listen, thank you so much for breaking down so many things with me thank and for, for me and me. for all of the listeners and watchers. Yes. I feel like um, I feel like you need to do much more content than you do. I know you post. I like that you post so authentically when you really just have something to say. But you have so much more in your little tijori. You know, that's mind. what I'm saying. Influencers, like, you need to teach me how to influence because I'm a very bad influencer. <laughs> I don't know how to influence properly. I just post when I want, whenever I want. Time doesn't matter. Nothing matters. No, you got to get to it because I, like I said earlier, I feel like, I feel like, especially post-pandemic, there have been so many times when I've gone through this existential crisis of when it comes to work where I'm like what am I doing why am yeah. I doing this I'm showing people and I didn't you know like in the lockdown a lot of people technically gained and benefited from sitting at home and creating entertaining content and I couldn't do that because it, yeah. it was just my mind was elsewhere I had friends and family going through things and maybe if I was smarter and more strategic I would have used the time but that's know, fine better you but that's fine yeah I, since that time, I've all, I I go through this every couple of months where I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Is Does this make a real world difference? And then I tell myself that, no, you know what? I connect with people and I need that to look itself. at my job yeah. from a different lens. Um, but I think that someone like you, who has this very unique, one-of-a-kind journey, needs to do even more content. Yeah, actually, thank you for lighting this fire because I needed it. And I just came from another meeting that also lit some fires for me. So I really need this because I'm very demotivated when it comes to making content for content. I believe in the authenticity, but I also realize like, like you said, I have to make more of it. And my mental health always kind of gets in the way. But if I'm more, I guess, organized about it, I can do this and I needed this. So thank you. I I'm good that. at setting structures. So I'm a phone call away if you need it. Actually, yeah, I'm going to take you up on that. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> Thank you for coming and having this chat with me on The Real Deal with Anam C. Thank you.